Oh, I'm so tired. It's not a promising start. <laughs> it never is a promising start. I don't know if we've ever done a promising start. I don't know. Finish isn't that good either. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Welcome everybody to episode 75 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. My name is Nick Page. I'm joined as ever by my good friend and annoying bongo <laughs> expletive Joe Davis. Thank you. Hello. Lovely to be back. Yeah, good to have you. How are you doing? You're right. I'm really tired. You are, yeah. aren't you? I'm really tired. Just that intro was excruciating. Yeah. Well, it's not gonna not gonna get any better. It's downhill from here. <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear. So, can I, before we get going, can I just say, mm. one of the frustrating things about having conversations like we have is that, you, you know, I always go, I don't know about you, but I always go and think, oh, I could have said everything so much better than I yes. actually said yes. it. Because yeah. for the for the benefit of the listener, <laughs> who might still be listening, yeah, we do actually have a kind of outline of where we're going, but because we do it conversationally, we invariably miss lots of bits out. And yes. put in, you know, a few double entendres that weren't supposed to be there. So um, so you never end up really saying what you think you're going to say. And one of the things I should have said last time was a book. I should have referenced a book, which is um, Pete Rowland's book, How Not to Speak of God, okay. which is a really good book. So if you're interested in the stuff we were talking, banging on about last time, that's a really good book to uh, to pick up and read. Good. Not yeah. as good as your book, obviously. It couldn't be. Obvs. Yeah. Well, you know, no, it's it's just true, isn't it? You always forget. You always come away thinking, "Oh, I wish I'd said that. I wish I'd yeah. said that." And um, the the truth is, it could always have been better because it's always pretty pants. But apart from that, <laughs> it's, it's true. But maybe I'm just. I think I've I've spent four days re- reading Ecclesiastes, so maybe I'm not Did in the you? best mood to actually. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you about it later. Yeah, okay. Well, good. We'll come on to that. It's all meaningless anyway. <laughs> it is. Everything <laughs> anyway, is. Anyway, talking of meaningless vanity, what have you been doing with your um, with yourself? What have you been up to? Well, uh, let's see now. I've been seeing family, uh, which has been great. And I went to see Yesterday. Ah, Yesterday. That's so that's film. the Richard Curtis film. The new Richard scripted, Curtis. And Danny Boyle directed. And yeah. it's as if the Beatles never happened. Exactly. And Lily James is in it. So therefore, it's a brilliant film. Yes, you're, you're a bit smitten with I Lily James, I just, I just think she's wonderful. I do. Yeah. She's mm. brilliant. She's out of your league, mate. No, yeah, no doubt about that. I'm old enough to be her grandfather, so I, <laughs> I think on that score we'll we'll just keep quiet, shall we? <laughs> but um, I do think she is absolutely wonderful. She's just mm. got a lovely way on screen, and uh, yeah, it was a good film. I didn't, I personally didn't think it was a Richard Curtis classic. I mean, not when you stand it alongside. Notting Hill and things like that, but um, love actually. Oh yeah, exactly. Um, I mm. mean, but that that's a high bar. So he's yes, yeah. True. But um, no, it was fun. It was fun. Good. Yeah, yeah great. You come out tapping your feet. How about you? What have you been up to? Well, I've been walking mainly. So we're going to talk about. We're going to talk yeah. about that later. Okay. I haven't sure. really been doing anything else other than um, walking and then oh. nursing my sore feet. <laughs> no wonder you're knackered. Yes, no. I, there is a reason for it. But I've also <laughs> been out speaking tonight. I went to speak to our some of our cell groups about the bible did you try tried to keep their faith intact great I thought it was a bit it was a bit young for them to <laughs> be going through a mid-faith crisis so i kept it light 
<laughs> that book is great. I've got, you know, I've got a genius idea about that that I'm going to talk to you about. Well, I don't, I wouldn't say it's genius. I think it sounds like inflicting torture on the listener, but um, we'll come on to that. We'll, we'll come on to that. Maybe not today, but we, we no, will mention right. it okay. at a, another right. time. I've got a genius idea, listeners. Anyway, watch out for that. Can I just say, I am covered by the scar tissue of your genius ideas. That's what it is. (laughs) Every time you say I've got a genius idea, I've got a great idea, I think, oh, stuff it. It's going to happen now. Anyway, moving on. Right, well, we're not. Okay, we're moving on. So, emails, shall we? Yes, yes. Ready yourself. We've got quite a few, have we? We we have. In fact, Mm. I've I've done a fairly radical edit. There were nine pages worth of emails, which I think I've got down to three. So let's let's get going. First of all, from John. Dear John, still breaking the internet with pictures of his granddaughter. (laughs) (laughs) Never has a big American been more besotted by a small American. It is unbelievable. Big, tough man, John. Anyway, so (laughs) he's got a question for us. So he says, "Uh, I've been thinking around Easter and after about the words of Jesus between resurrection and ascension. This week, thinking about what N.T. Wright calls life after life after death, Jesus in his resurrected state seemed to make a real point of helping his disciples to see that he was physical, see my hands and my feet, Mm. that it is I myself, touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones. Interesting it's not flesh and blood here, as you see that I have. And then, uh, do you have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it before them. So the question is this, where is Jesus now? I assume that he is in his resurrected state, that state that according to right, God always intended us to be in and that we will be in after the resurrection and when all things are made new. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Anyway, he says, just curious. And if you need any updated photos of Vida, just let me know and I'll send them along. Love you guys, John. (laughs) That's very nice. Um, That's a very, very good question. I think it's uh, I think it's an it's a mystery, isn't it? But I do what I agree with him. I really value the physicality of it. I think we've talked about this in the past. I I think it's really important. I'm not sure you're. You're so orthodox. Or no, well, I, no, I'm a bit more whiffly on, you are more on that whiffly one. On I don't it. know that those stories are so important to be. Uh, the I think I, I think that's exactly what they're about. They're about the physicality. Okay. They're about the presence of the resurrection life now, and and you know I really love that. I that, that don't image. doubt that last statement at all. Yes. Okay. Okay. We maybe we should revisit that at some point. That'd be quite interesting. Well, we should when we do the return of the second coming episode. The third or fourth coming. <laughs> exactly so. Yeah. yeah, okay, right. Um, Lots of emails, and I'm certainly not going to read any of them out about how much people are liking your new book. Um, That's very kind of them. Well, and misguided. Um, <laughs> and Gareth not only likes your book, and he says, uh, you evidently led a course on theology, and a CYM yeah. course, a module once. Biblical studies. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he loved your book. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Gareth. Yeah. And Matt says, loved the episode on Thin Places and listed a few of his own, including the Ensham Lock and the Peak District. Ensham Lock is very nice. No, yeah, it's yeah. just down the road. Yeah. And then he says on the subject of our youngest listener, because you remember you were you yeah. were querying who that might be. He says he's 26 years old. So there you go. OK, Peter said uh, he had a, a Peter. Oh, yeah. Peter wrote in with an interesting idea about using Facebook to get together with other listeners. Hmm. Hmm. We'll get back to you on that, Peter. That is an interesting idea. If other people think that could be a goer, you might want to write in and let us know. Val says uh, nice things. And then she says, 
We've just spent one of our house groups talking about God as father or mother. And having Nick's Bible behaving badly at my side, I'm starting to get tired of this, by the way, but there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, it's a she terrible says, book. She, says, I, doing yeah, she said, I encouraged the group to look deeper into what they were reading and to be accepting and not too didactic. Didactic, I think that is. Anyway, she says, I've read and reread a book called Women, God's Secret Weapon by Ed Silvozo, which I found very affirming as a single lady. Jesus also did a wonderful job of affirming women. What didn't help was that he always called God Father and that he came as a man. But I guess he knew what he was doing. I prefer him as a man anyway. <laughs> Makes the <laughs> fact he's my husband a bit easier. Or is that a metaphor? Brother is another <laughs> one I use. Anyway, she says this. God in my image, that's a challenge. If you believe that Christ lives in us through the Holy Spirit, then referring to the Bible behaving badly way of looking at things, might bits of us not get mixed up with the bits of the Holy Spirit and cause us to express our understanding of God in a holy sort of human way perhaps this is the best way we can do until we are in heaven so shouldn't be too hard on ourselves we have finite minds after all and then she finishes by saying a literal request could we spell long words like apophatic <laughs> we can't even spell short words no this is long a trouble words. okay right yeah. one from David in Oz uh, dear Joe and Nick uh, it says, I think you come close to scoring a century in the podcast this week. Atheism yeah. metaphors, apophatic and ineffability all in one episode. That could never have happened in your pulpit. <laughs> He's talking to you there. Well, yeah. yes, that's yeah. obviously. Yeah. Anyway, he says, I've been using inclusive metaphors for God for the past 20 years at least. I never had a liking for the father image. Changing language does shift imagination to some extent. And the places in churches where traditional language reigns supreme is hymns. The great hymn writer and poet Brian Wren wrote a subversive book on God images 30 years ago called What Language Shall I Borrow? He argued that the vast majority of hymns fell under the ugly umbrella of King Afap, which is an acronym for King Almighty Father Almighty Protector. Uh, since then, mm. we have been we have seen a surge of hymns written with diverse metaphors to both new and old tunes. A problem is that many in the churches I know still prefer to sing the old hymns, and many who rarely darken the door think hymns ancient and mouldy are all that's sung, <laughs> or they go somewhere and experience love songs to Jesus. Anyway, he goes on to say, "I'm fortunate to live in the country, and from where I'm writing indoors, I have a surround view of bushland, very green at the moment because of heaps of rain. So I go out with my dog." usually a couple of times a day for a long walk and sniff the ground her not me and that contemplative walk even if i'm listening to your dulcet tones keeps the rumor of god alive for me as does reading conversation and some podcasts best wishes to you both that's lovely thank you very yeah, much yeah thank you for that i do think there's an interesting there's probably more lots more interesting as you said to say about the imagery we use of god i think partly mm. to be honest it's it's and I don't mean this in a bad way. I think it's partly it's about comfort for people. You know, th yeah, there's yeah. a time and a place to shake up the image and there's a time and a place where people, you know, perhaps want more comfortable language and they just yeah. they want that. Uh, I agree. I, I can see all the problems with that and the way um, mm. the, you you said it so strongly last time. But, mm. you know, I just think... No, well, I agree. Do you know what I mean? There's just sometimes... Yeah, no, it, I really it, agree. There's a place, I think, for shaking up and a place for not doing that. And, and I do feel a, a bit of a hypocrite because sometimes, you know, when, it, when in a desperate need, I find myself going back to old imagery yeah. to address God. You, it's, just, it's just like a reflex. And... Um, I think we're not saying that the it's not that the old imagery is wrong, is it? It's that no, other just, images are also available. That's it, the key exactly thing. So it's right. natural to go back to those images. Exactly. And those images have power. 
but other images are, might yeah. also be and some helpful. images may not be so appropriate. Yeah, now. yeah, and and I suppose when you are doing it, and this is a challenge to myself, just try and think in t- in terms of the people you're speaking to, is it okay just to give permission to that? So is there a way we can nod to that and so, and and you know, so you don't have to change the whole exactly. tenor of what you're talking about or whatever, but you you have to acknowledge there are other ways of and um, that's. I genuinely do think God is big it. enough to cope with our different metaphors. You know, she doesn't mind. So, you no, know, that's true. OK, so we've got one here from Malcolm and uh, he says this uh, great email. Dear Joe and Nick, many thanks for keeping going with the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast and especially for now going weekly, which hugely brightens our Saturday mornings. Agree that the creative use of metaphors can really help on our Christian journey. Some metaphors are, of course, more helpful than others. I can't quite get my head around Richard Raw's Christ is another name for everything concept, nor the idea of describing God as it rather than he or she. But basically, yes, whatever helps with the recognition that however we talk about God, we recognise the limits of language. And as C.S. Lewis said when talking about atonement theories in mere Christianity, any theories we build up are, in my view, quite secondary to be left alone if they do not help us. And even if they do help us, not to be confused with the thing itself. Mm. So that's great stuff. And then um, Mm. Malcolm goes on to say, I personally find the whole journeying concept is incredibly helpful, although it can be a bit cliched. I think it just indicates that we haven't arrived and sometimes just need to sit with the questions and paradoxes and mysteries. Mm. Great. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. And that does rather, speaking of journeys, lead us on to you, Nick Page. To me, Nick Page. To you, Nick Page, because, well, you've you've been out and about. I have. A pilgrimage? Have, would you call I've, it that? Well, well, my wife called it a pubgrimage <laughs> uh, because it was. It seemed to be punctuated by quite a lot of pubs. But as I said, you know, pilgrims certainly in in our culture, pilgrims always stayed at inns. Well, there so you go. You've got, you've got to go there. It'd be wrong not to. <laughs> it would be morally offensive not to. Uh, yeah, it would. So yes, I've I've uh, been on a little pilgrimage. So okay, let's let's just rein it back. Descri- okay. Set the scene for us. Where? Why? How? Come on. Well, <laughs> um, well, it was uh, my friend's idea. He wanted to go on a pilgrimage, and yeah. uh, so we decided to we um, we would do four days. Okay. Um, walking to Canterbury, which is the traditional Ooh. one of the traditional pilgrims' routes in the mm. in England, at least in the UK, um, and it's called the Pilgrim's Way. Uh, and so we we didn't walk. Um, there's a number of reasons why we didn't sort of. I suppose we walked about 40 miles in three days and then, right. you know, a couple of miles into Canterbury on the final day. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's what we did. And why, I, for me, I don't know, I, I wondered that on mm. the first morning because part of the it was a, it was a quite a challenge because I've got yeah. a few foot problems uh, in as I get slightly older. Oh, it keeps momentary. going in your mouth, for example. Yeah. <laughs> That as well. <laughs> That's quite good. That um, now I've got this. I've got nerve problems down there, so oh. pains, and so I was a bit worried about whether or not, frankly, I could do it. So partly, mm. to be honest, it was a kind of almost a test to see whether I could still actually walk that amount. Yeah. Um, and that was quite a challenge. It was quite an interesting one to reflect on because, um, you know, I think one of the things about pilgrimage is mm. that is that I don't think it should be easy. Mm. You know, it shouldn't. It, the nature of pilgrim, yeah. pilgrimage is that it should have some kind of cost involved. I think. Yeah. So for me, at times it was quite, um, quite painful actually. But, you know, um, I, and I will say the funny thing was one of one of the books we were reading. We we 
decided to do some some devotional reading of various mm. kinds on the way. One of the books we were reading was um, Julian of Norwich's Revelations. So she she was a mystic in the uh, 14th century, mm. I think. And um, and and with the, that particular medieval mindset, it was so mm. much about suffering and how suffering is blessed and good for you, and how she wants to suffer because you know that way you see mm. Jesus. It's a completely mm. alien, yeah. yeah, sure, yeah, strange mindset to us. Although it makes a lot of sense in an era where suffering was a given and yeah. you couldn't really do anything about it. Yeah. And therefore, if you didn't see it as blessed in some way, I don't know what you would would do with mm. it. Um. Anyway, so there was me hobbling along, thinking, oh, you know, I'm being all julian here um <laughs> jules yeah so yeah me jules so yeah it was it was a, i think it was a kind of idea of doing a a, a a spiritual discipline of pilgrimage and doing um you know and seeing what that might look like for us yeah so, so i'm interested I, I i imagine this idea was conceived in a pub in oxfordshire <laughs> and that you you know it must have seemed like a really uh, good idea but you've already Lord. you've already hinted that you know it's it's actually it was quite a painful experience. in, well, in, it, in it, what it, other it, ways was it sort of the reality of it different to perhaps the expectation you know me you know me so well yes it certainly was conceived in a pub in oxfordshire um <laughs> Well, it was it, one thing. It was the hottest flinking day of the year. Yeah, you know, the, 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 yeah. we were walking over the so the last weekend when this is recorded, the the, the, the last weekend in June 2019 was in the UK extremely hot, and they had one day yeah. that was 30 degrees, which is hot for us. You know, I yeah, mean, I yeah. think some of our yeah. Australian and American listeners might be going, "Ha, lightweight, chilly." But, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like putting on an extra jumper. But no, <laughs> you know, I was like a a puddle. So it was extremely yeah. unpleasant at points as yeah. well. Um, sort of uh, going through paths that were at some points quite overgrown, actually quite surprisingly overgrown. So where does the, just so we know, a bit of geography, yeah. where does the Pilgrim's yeah. Way run? Okay, so the history of it is um, it goes to Canterbury Canter and it goes to yeah. the shrine of Thomas Becket at Canterbury. Right, yeah. Thomas Becket was uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury who was murdered by um, thugs uh, under Henry II. Um, and his... His tomb became a shrine. He soon became a saint. It's not quite that simple as it. any history. He's not quite saintly. But anyway, we, we'll ignore that. But, but after that, it grew up as the pilgrim's route, really. Okay. Probably people were going there beforehand because Canterbury Cathedral was also the shrine of St. Augustine and oh, things right. like that. So not that, not the one in Hippo, the Augustine of Kent. Anyway, yeah. anyway, Thank so you. <laughs> for a long time, many centuries, and that's where Chaucer's uh, Canterbury Tales take place on a pilgrimage. So there are yeah. two routes down to it, one from London, one from Winchester. Okay. So you would travel, the Winchester one is the traditional one. You travel from the tomb of St. Swithin, I think it is, at Winchester, okay. to St. Thomas at, at Canterbury. Um, and, and, and that was a historical tradition right up to the Reformation. Then it fell into disrepair and uh, Henry VIII knocked down the tomb, the, uh, the shrine of um, Thomas of Becket. And then it sort of has grown back in over subsequent centuries, probably from the 19th century onwards as a, as a route of pilgrimage. Right, and so are so, you are you walking along roads, or are you going through? No, a little bit along roads. Nettles or sometime along roads, mainly through um, some paths, uh, some stinging nettles, some some um, well, quite wide sort of chalk. It's all chalk down. It's a sort of South Downs there. Way and North Downs Way. It's the, it's the North Downs Way. Yeah, follows it, and then I want to talk about that in a little bit because it's quite interesting. Is about who that two terminologies, two names for it, the Pilgrims. Way and the North Downs Way kind okay. of thing. I think the North Downs Way is sort of joins it and then goes on a bit more. But um, 
yeah, so it's 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 quite um, it, it's not arduous. It's not like um, you know, it's not like trekking through the wilderness or trekking yeah. through the Sinai or something like that. Yeah. But it's but it has a bit of physical cost to it. Um, yeah. yeah. Beautiful, absolutely stunning. Well, it's stunning because, I mean, you say yeah. chalk, I mean, and this is an aside, but on Saturday I did an orchid watch day. Right. And saw just tons of different sorts of orchids. But, of course, I know you do because I used to live on the North Downs in Gillingham, Medway Towns, and um, there are loads of orchids around there. And, yeah. of course, Saturday being such a hot day was also a fantastic day for butterflies. Amazing. Oh, yes, there were lots of um, there were lots of that. So there's loads of you know, stuff. there was lots to uh, to pick up on on recent podcasts. Lots of mm. things to be attentive about. Lots yeah. of you know, lots of bird life. We sort of had a wonderful moment when we it was right towards the end of the last day. We were kind of absolutely knackered and walking through this field of brambles or something. <laughs> and then up ahead, this fox just stood there oh, in our path fantastic. and looked at us, and then yeah. went off. And as we got up to near it, was we looked down to the side and. These two fox cubs were just playing in the field there. It was oh, just a great moment. Amazing. So there were lots of blessed moments, moments right. of grace there, I think, as well. Okay, so I suppose you've set the scene really well for us there, but the big question coming out of it is, you know, what did you learn as a result of doing a pilgrimage for four days? Right. Well, I think I'd want to start by saying there's a one of the things that really exercised me over the over the four days was what's the difference between a pilgrimage and a hike yeah you know what makes it a a pilgrimage and i kind of had that metaphor in my mind of those two names for it the north downs way Mm. and the pilgrim's way you know how could we be sure we were on the pilgrim's way and we weren't on the north downs way you know how could we be and i think it's it's to do with the intentionality of the journey the firstly you are going to a um uh, uh, some kind of sacred destination. Mm-hmm. All pilgrimages have yeah. some kind of sacred destination. That may not be a church, because we heard um, in the Alexander Shire episode, you know, that may be the sea mm. on the Camino, maybe beyond the, the yeah. cathedral. Um, but a but a but a, a destination that has some kind of meaning and which maybe has a blessing to impart to you. Um, so there's the intentionality about the the destination. There's the intentionality about the journey itself. We um, read Ecclesiastes on the journey, <laughs> so we would every time we came to a a, a, a church or some kind of mm. uh, site that seemed a good thin place, as it were, yeah. we would sit and read a chapter of Ecclesiastes or a bit of Ecclesiastes, mm. and that was absolutely fascinating because you ended mm. up reading this book uh, of the Bible, which is really quite dark mm. and mm. and um really unbiblical at so many points in the sort of classic <laughs> sense um and you were reading it in church ruins you were reading it amongst the ruins of abbeys these things that had come and gone that must have mm. seemed so um so permanent Invin- yeah to and the invincible people. at the time and yeah. invincible and mm. then you're reading all things will go to dust yeah. it's all vanity in the end yeah and it it felt really powerful interesting um and it really opened up for me the the potential of uh reading scripture in in a physical situation that would you know help us to sort of feel that kind of thing um and i i you know i sort of fell in love with the book even though it's a complete mess as a structure and all this kind of stuff you know it's got really Mm. odd but but it that was very powerful um i think the other thing is there's a sense of connection connection to the world around you Mm connection to the past to to previous travelers to community mm. of faith to doing something that is a spiritual discipline 
a historical discipline mm. and connects you into your own church tradition, that seems to be really important. I think if you have those three things, that that um, that, that sort of sacred destination, the intentionality of the journey and, and, and practices that you're doing on the journey and mm. the awareness of connection, then I think you're on a pilgrimage. You might not know that. You might think you're walking the North Downs way. I think it's perfectly possible for you to walk the North Downs way and actually be on a pilgrimage. Okay. And I think it's perfectly possible for you to walk the Pilgrim's Way and actually and just be on a hike. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think that's a great thing for us to think about in our lives. You know, it's kind of like Malcolm's thing about the journey. Is so, so, that's why that's so powerful. I think that you know we can be on a journey. We could we can be on a on a hike through our lives, or we can be on a pilgrimage. Wow. We can think that oh, there no, is a sacred there is a sacred destination mm. to get to. Um, and so. It's also about what what you what you um, what you bring back with you, as well. And you didn't steal silverware from Canterbury Cathedral again, did you? I didn't. Here's a, here's an interesting thing though. There's lots of there's still lots to reflect on. Firstly, we went to two services in Canterbury. So the first that we went to the nine o'clock Eucharist at St Martin's Church, which is the oldest um, extant church in the UK. It dates back to 580 AD, yeah. and it's still in use, and it's always been in use. And that's what makes it so special. It's not a perfect Anglo-Saxon church, but it's got bits of Roman wall in it. So for me, as a kind of yeah. history, yeah, sure. you know, yeah, you're I was having a slight sort of moment. Yeah. I had <laughs> several moments. And we had this Eucharist service there, and it was beautiful, and it was simple, and it was, it, it was, um, it was profound. And you felt very, very connected to, to, to the past. And then we went to the cathedral hmm. and we had exactly the same service because it was following the lectionary. So uh, it was exactly the same readings, exactly the same service, except it had more singing in because it had the choir there. And and it had a lot of people doing things. You know, whereas the St. Martin's one was a tiny hmm. church, it had two people officiating. Canterbury, there's nine people up there. There's a whole choir. There's, there's this magnificent building around you. And and there's all people doing like stuff like synchronized swimming, you know. There's if you ever, yeah. when you go, you get these three people holding. So one holds the cross, the other yeah. have two sticks of various kinds, and they lead yeah. it in. And at certain points in the service, they all they come out, they come forward, and they all turn simultaneously. And oh, it really, really re- yeah, it really <laughs> reminded me of that bit in synchronized swimming where all the swimmers line up yeah, and then they turn right. to the pool. Yeah. And I really wanted them to be wearing those clips on their noses so that they. <laughs> So you have, a, so it's the same service with masses more bling. Yeah. And and I thought I sat there thinking, oh, this is what happens to religion. Yeah. This is what happens. It moves out of the little Roman church of the community and it gets into this big house. Yeah. And it's the same thing. It's a big show. But it's but it's covered in bling and it's harder to see it. Under yeah. it's still there, but it's harder to see it. I felt. Um. But the. Sorry, I know I'm talking a lot, but it's still a lot no, of processing. No, it's great. And then the other, so what happened was my mate, who I was on the pilgrimage with, he he read somewhere. He said if you email in advance or get in contact with them, you can receive a blessing from a priest when you get to Canterbury Cathedral. They'll give all pilgrims oh. a blessing. And he said, "Oh no, we'll do this." We'll do and I'm going. I think I oh, really, <laughs> yeah. you know, that doesn't Nick, sound like your sort of thing. Too cool for school, you know. I don't do this. <laughs> no, you know. So he said, "No, no, we're doing it." So we he emailed ahead and we 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 um we were going to have it beforehand but we didn't get in there quite in time so we we 
said, well, we'll meet the person afterwards. Anyway, after all the bling service, yeah. which has still had some lovely bits, had beautiful music, yeah. but and it's this amazing setting, but it was, as I said, quite quite heavily um, gilded. Um, this um, canon came forward. The canon is a, a vicar attached to the cathedral, basically. That's yeah, right. not a not big lit- gun. Not literally attached to the cathedral. Either. She wasn't kind of like tethered to a pillar, but she, she so she came for she came and met us, and she was absolutely quiet. Like she was just wonderful, and she said, she said, right, I'll take you. I'm going to take you where I take all the pilgrims. So she took us up to what they call the Trinity Chapel. It's just me, me and Steve looking rather bedraggled with our pack yeah. up to the Trinity Chapel, which is the original. Um, place with the shrine of Thomas Beckett and, right. and it's all roped off you can't go across to it she undid the rope we walked across to stand right by the candle and right. she and she asked us about the journey she asked about what we were doing and and you know engaged in a real conversation about it right. and then she prayed this this Thanksgiving blessing for us and it was just yeah. a, a you know it was just a beautiful tearful moment it was just oh. it, it. I just felt um, I don't know really a sense of destination so okay you know to bring that back is a lovely is a lovely okay. thing to to, to to you know that's that's there's a lot there's a lot i'm thinking about okay so i know you're still processing all this and everything mm. but what would you say to listeners who are thinking oh i wonder whether i should go on pilgrimage how would they go about that and what's your tips or... yeah okay well have you ever done one no i don't think i right, have okay no so um I think firstly you want to sort you want to find a, a a meaningful destination to you. Yeah. Something that makes sense. And as I said I don't I think it has to be a it's good if it's a sacred destination. I'm not going to define what that should be. It might yeah, be sure. a a tree for you. Yeah. It might be some yeah. place. It might be one of your favorite thin places. It might be all that kind yeah. of stuff. So you need to do that. So identify that. Give it time. It's not a, it's not um, an extreme sport. You know, we, and when we were going along the Pilgrim's Way, you'd meet people coming the other way, mostly men in lycra, um, mm. sort of half running, half walking with their hydration packs, and they're, mm. you know, um, and and I thought, well, that's that, they're on the North Downs Way, you know, they're not yeah. a pilgrimage, they're kind of doing that. <laughs> so it's not, um, it's not an extreme sport, and so you, you can take it at whatever pace you like. I think it's good to have some exercises to do as you go along, some forms of prayer. Some, uh, it's you know, I we found it really helpful to stop and read the Bible together, um, and and we just found these amazing places. You know, there's one place we went to, which is, uh, I think it was called St Mary's Church. I can't remember where it was, but it was a bot. It's a dis- um, a derelict church, and it actually only fell, it only fell derelict in the 1950s. And all that you have there is a tower, some walls a- around. And some tombs, and but it was beautiful because you looked out through the these derelict windows to um, trees. Mm. It was like you know one of the best views you could possibly have, I think, through a church window. You know these right. these yeah. views yeah. and these yeah. things, and out to a lake, and it was a real moment of grace again to read and to pray in that in that situation. So to, so I think having a a pattern of things that you're going to do along the way makes adds mm. into that intentionality. Um, and yeah, go, I think those, those going things with really. someone else. I mean, that was obviously quite important for you. It would have been a different experience had you gone on your own. I th- it would have been. I think it's perfectly possible to go on your own. Mm. I think that's it. It, it kind of helped because you had moments of silence together and and mm. and then lots of conversation about things. Mm. And I went with a lot of baggage. You know, I went with. Uh, 
lots of worries in my life which I needn't mm. needn't go into here. But they were kind of, and you need to shed that mm. at, the, at the beginning. It's okay yeah. to to take that with you because everybody's going to anyway. Yeah. But I think having somebody to talk to about it helps you to sort of put it to one side because you've you've dealt okay. with it really. Um, you know it's going to be there when you go back yeah. in a way, but but you can leave it for that moment. Um, and I think to give it time is really good. Um, and 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 really welcome everything. Okay. So you know. So can I just ask a question there? So yeah. yeah, yes, you you go with worries and baggage, and you try mm. and lay those down at the beginning. How is it coming back? Does that as you yeah, repick those things up, are they lighter? Are they? Is it the same? Is it? Are you different? Are you? Um, well, it's. I mean, you know, when we had, um, I, you know, I feel a bit of a lightweight with this because when we had the Alexander Shire thing, he'd done yeah. like thirty days on the Camino, yeah. and he talked a lot about yeah. that coming back, didn't he? He talked yeah, a yeah. lot about the decompression, and I'll put a link into what episode that was. Mm. Uh, but um, yes, I think it was. There's there's an element of uh, you don't really want to come back. Yeah. You know, because yeah. the, by then, by a few days in, you're really into the rhythm of it and you're mm. into the journey. Um, but there's an element also that you know the whole purpose is to come back. Yeah. You know, the whole part sure. of the pilgrimage is not to stay at the shrine. It is to come yeah. back into the real life and to bring what you found with you, what yeah. you've reflected on. And, and I'm not saying, yeah. you know, it was any earth-shattering sort of revelations i think but there but there but there was definite stuff that i did and it did give me perspective on the things that was particularly worrying me yeah um which is great which is really good, helpful so you know it's like in a way it's it's an extended version of what we talk about a lot we talk a lot about getting out going to your attentive. places yep. that have significance going with intentionality disconnecting yep. you know we talk all about this yeah. and um and and I think that it's just it's an extension of that really. Great. Well, I reckon that's our episode then. Well, I think it probably is. But we you we should do a pilgrimage sometime. Well, let's. I'd I'd really like to. I would like to. Yeah, we. Could, I don't know where would you go to that has sacred meaning. Yeah, uh, I even as you were talking, I was thinking about those things, and then you said, and I don't know whether you meant it like it could be a tree or it could be. Right. I think, but I I definitely like the idea of going to a, a to a really thin place. Yeah, I think that. That would be very special. We should define that actually, because we did have an email asking us, you know, what do we? We, yeah. we kind of assumed people knew what we meant by thin places. Uh, we don't mean yeah. Weight Watchers. No, uh, we, don't, we, we don't mean that. Or the gym. <laughs> the, the, the thin place idea came from the Celts, and it's this idea of heaven. The distance between heaven and earth, earth is so so close. Yeah, uh, you know, the gap is thin. So that's how that phrase originated. So yeah. And it can so, be different things for different people, but you know, so Lee Abbey, uh, you know, many people describe as a thin place because it's a place yeah. where you're surrounded by natural beauty, and it's generally a place of sacrament where people encounter God. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, it could be anywhere, but I think, uh, I, yeah, we should we should do it sometime Good. maybe when my well, feet have recovered. Exactly. Thank you for well, saying all that, and we shall reflect more. I'm sure in. F- in uh, future weeks as it all shakes down this episode has been sponsored by the Canterbury <laughs> Tourist Board um, so. certainly I do recommend it if you want to go and St Martin's Church is lovely anyway that's enough of that um, yes thank yeah. you very much for listening and um, yeah. we'll be back in a week's time I'll see you then 